Pizza? Pizza? Pizza! Hungry for some pizza now? Yeah, that's what we thought. Get yours at Domino's Hawaii. We deliver aloha. The Mothership Podcast is sponsored by Hawaii Surrogacy Center. Start your family with Hawaii's leading surrogacy agency. How's it going? Uh, you know, we're talking about following your heart and just going with the flow, uh, tracing your roots, finding out where you're from. That seems to be the theme in the story of Chris Walsh. She grew up in Hawaii. She felt a longing to learn more about her father's side, and she decided to get up and get out of her comfort zone, leaving behind the sunny beaches in Hawaii for the cold ski slopes <laughs> of Austria. It really took a lot of courage and determination. Totally, we're just all just blown away by her courage <laughs> to do all of that. But as I understand, as Chris Walsh joins us right now on the mothership, Chris, <laughs> it's, it's, def, it's, it's a decision, a life-changing one that you do not regret. No, I don't regret it at all. I don't regret it at all. Um, it's... It, it definitely completely pivoted the entire trajectory of my life. Like when I think about it, um, you know, moving, living in Hawaii, you know what it's like living in Hawaii. My, my mom's side is from the Philippines. They immigrated over during the sugarcane plantation rush. Um, my grandfather came first. And then um, a few years after working enough, he was able to bring, you know, my mom and my uncle and my grandma over. And a lot of the family comes over. So the family in Hawaii is so cohesive and it's so central to what we do. We, you know, everyone, everyone's, everyone's grandma, you have no idea how they're related, but they're related to you. And so that was really strong for me on my mom's side, but my dad was the only person in our family from Austria. Um, he met my mom in Hawaii at like a party. They, they didn't even speak the same language. He speak German she speaks obviously um, English and Filipino, but they, he saw her and was like, that's it. He, um, he ended up going to the beach and getting like third degree sunburns so he could like <laughs> go to the hospital. Cause he knew he, she, she knew she was, uh, at the hospital. So he, he assumed she was a nurse, uh, just like working as a nurse by that time, she was already like the head of, um, public health. And, um, she was like, who is this crazy person like getting sunburned for me? Anyway, fast forward, uh, three months later, they were married. And my dad is the only white guy in the family staying in Hawaii with us. And so I didn't really have a good connection at all to that side of my family. Um, so growing up, I just didn't really recognize, I didn't, not that I didn't recognize it, but I just didn't have like a strong attachment to it. And after a college and grad school, I was like 21. And after grad school, I still didn't have a, a real sense of direction. And I think I was just young. Uh, um, and I needed something to ground me, I think, at that point to help me make decisions of where I really wanted to be. And I thought, you know, what's one, one way to do that is maybe figure out myself a little bit better. And so, you know, I told my family, I, was like, I, I think I need to take a little break from, from school 
and just go for a year and live with dad's family in Europe just mm-hmm. to understand like this other side of me that I don't really know or or even figure if out. I, if I can just kind of interrupt, Chris, sorry. Yeah. And, and then also for our listeners, um, like, I mean, just looking at you and then Noli can agree, <clears throat> but I mean, you look, you look mixed and like, <laughs> it, you don't look like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I know that like here in Hawaii, people could get teased, right? Like if they're, if they pull maybe the lighter side, you know, and yeah. you could get teased, but I mean, you didn't face any of that in school or anything like that, like, and struggled with that part of your identity, right? Like, uh, where, no. where'd you go to school? I went to Iolani. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, Noli. I feel like... like Noli. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, nice. I yeah, awesome. yeah, right on. Uh, what year were you? Um, 94. Oh, 2000. Okay. Oh, <laughs> you know my sister Cheryl. You, uh, Cheryl Soriano. Yeah, Soriano. Oh my god. <laughs> That's the Filipino. Yeah, we're the Filipino. Yeah. No, I know. We're, yeah. No. Oh my god, we were really good friends in school. That's so crazy. Oh I yeah, I didn't even that. know. I'll tell her. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. No, no, I don't think at all. Like, I, it wasn't that. It was more like my dad's so Austrian. Like, he has a very strong accent, and they have a very strong, you know, um, culture and history, just like we do in Hawaii. And to not even like have like, you know, not even to be, not even not immersed in it, but not even have like any sense of connection to it. Like I spoke no German. I didn't really know any of that side of my family. My dad's the 15th kid. And I met by that point in my life, maybe three or four people in my family, not that many. And so it's kind of like, there's something missing. And I just wanted to know. And I was like, I was young and I wanted a little bit more direction. And I thought that might be a way to get some, um, yeah, so I moved to Austria for a year. I spoke no German. I took uh, classes at the University of Vienna, just like German classes. Uh, I live with my one of my dad's cousins, um, and they took me to my first ski resort. It's this place called a small family resort called Sankt Johan near Kitzbühel. And they got me kitted out, and um, they're like, "All right, we're gonna go skiing." I'm like, "Okay, cool. Like, I'm not sure what this is." Um, and they they take me, and they just like put me on this like rope toe. So you hold on to this rope and this rope like pulls you up the mountain. And at this point I'm like, I don't even know how to walk on snow. So then I, it's sliding up. So I'm like sliding back. I'm like, <laughs> what? And my, my uncle is like behind me, like keeping me up. I'm like, this is terrible. We get to the top of this, like right now, like in my mind back then I was like, this is, I'm dying. I'm something is going to, like, I'm, this is not a good idea. Um, now I can see that in their mind, they're like, this is nothing. Like, why are you freaking out? We get to the top and he's just like, and like pushes me. And I'm just like, ah, like freaking, like, I just go straight. And I'm sure like, I'm going to like slide into the road, like never ending killed in traffic. I'm just freaking out. But of course, like I stopped, it's like a flat area. And like, from that point on, I was like, oh, I'm hooked. And so (laughs) Uh, they went back to, v- they wanted to go back to Vienna. We were only there for Christmas. And, um, and I, as much as I was like, I want to get to know my dad's side. I was like, no, I want to get to know this. And I ended up just saying, Hey guys, I'll see you next time you're back at the resort. I'm staying here. And I just stayed, I stayed. Um, I got, I took ski lessons. Uh, and then like once I couldn't afford ski lessons anymore because I didn't have that much money at all. Uh, I started just like working at the ski school being like, um, kind of like a nanny, to the smallest little kids. You kind of just like take them around. But the upside to that is you get free training um, as a ski instructor. And so that's kind of like how that journey sort of started. And um, because I had t- taken about three months of German lessons, 
I was actually pretty good at German by that point. Like I taught most of my lessons in German. Well, isn't German like a hard language yeah. to learn? Like I, I feel like I feel like people say that, but it's very similar to English in sort of sentence structure. And I, I don't know. I I I didn't think I was also immersed in it. So I think it's a very different way to learn something when you're like everyone's speaking it and you're taking class every day. So yeah, by by three months, I was like. I wasn't like some like you know literary genius. I was probably about a, I don't know, a, you know, teenager. And you're talk, you're talking bars. Are you? I would not say I'm no, no, because I haven't taught back in German in Austria. So I did two, three seasons in Austria, and then one season in Switzerland. Um, after that first season in Austria, I did end up taking the LSATs in in Munich during Oktoberfest, um, and I did start going law school and I did end up working at uh one of the top firms in the country for about six years and I was a finance attorney for a long time so I didn't go back and speak and teach German for a while so it's pretty rusty now it's a lot better to have a little bit of wine but I would not say I'm anywhere near where I was when I was living there unfortunately yeah where are you living now so actually this season um everything kind of aligned for me to be able to live in Switzerland for the season so I train, I ski train in the mornings and then I have my other company life score. And then I work um, my normal hours that I would have, but they would have been in the U S so from about like three to about midnight, one o'clock, I will work for my job. And then in the mornings from about nine to three, I will train or nine to two, I'll train. Wow. Wow. So, so old, yeah, go ahead. How old were you when you um, left Hawaii and headed to Austria? So actually from Hawaii, I went to NYU. So I lived in New York for undergrad. And then I went to um, the University of Texas at Austin for uh, grad school at the business school there. And then from there, I went to Austria and did my first season there. And then I moved back to New York for law school. Oh, wow. Yeah, but I was yeah 17 when I left Hawaii, 21 when I went to um, Europe. What did your parents, uh, what was your parents' reaction when you wanted to move so far away? I mean, you know it. My mom's like Filipino. My mom's straight up Filipino, right? Mm -hmm. So there's like, what? You're not going to med school? You're not going to law <laughs> school? Like, what are you doing? Um, but I had just been on the track for so long. I think we, you both know this. It's like, you're on that track. Everyone's just like, all right, you're going to do this. You're going to do that. You're going to do this. You're going to succeed at this. And at some point, you're kind of like, I didn't make like decisions for myself. Right. And so I, I think I ended up in places, I mean, great places, like, you know, great schools, great jobs, but not really because like I truly chose them, but because people looking out for me who were, had my best interest in heart were choosing them, but that doesn't necessarily always make it the right choice. And so she was pretty upset, actually. Um, I think she understood, but then she was like, you can go, but you are definitely taking the LSAT while you're out there. So you better be studying. And I was like, okay, I will do that. I ended up doing that. Ended up going to law school. But at the end of the day, you know, I worked at the firm at Latham for about six years, um, senior finance attorney there. And same, like, that was kind of the same point, kind of like a, a fork in the road of like, this isn't exactly what I want to do with my life. Like, I want to do something more purpose-driven. I want to do something more um, impactful that I felt was impactful. You know, those attorneys work really hard. They do huge deals. I, I love everyone I worked with there. It just wasn't, wasn't necessarily like my path. 
And so when I got to the point of deciding that, that's when I, I left the firm. And I think, again, Filipino parents, pretty upset with me at that point. <laughs> she was mad. A lot of courage on your part. <laughs> yeah, man, she was mad. But <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I just knew I had to. Yeah, it's just amazing because it, it's, it's kind of mind boggling for somebody from Hawaii to like up and leave and like go to the extreme opposite, <laughs> you know, weather on the planet and just, you know, put yourself in an uncomfortable situation. But like, you're super brave to do that and um, to stick it out. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, so, I mean, I'm sure all our listeners, I mean, we being from Hawaii, Hawaii, we know nothing about that. Yeah. The lifestyle and the culture. So can you like, yeah, like, what is surprising? What is actually really interesting? You know, yeah. For some of the things that you like, you're like, whoa, this is fascinating that you can share with us about that. Absolutely. That um, I, I love winter sports culture. Like I love the winter. I, I, it's not necessarily that I love the cold, but I love what it does to everything around it. So, you know, you go out here and everything's just like white and pristine and the snow is kind of like, think of it as sound dampening. So everything is just like quieter. Um, I love being able to go out on the mountain to, to ski. You feel so free. I'm sure folks that surf, I'm not a big surfer, big wave surfer, but it's that same feeling of like freedom and your ability to do something greater than your own body is capable of um, on its own, thanks to like nature and, and equipment. And when you're out there, when you're doing things, like you said, like you're uncomfortable, you're learning, you're constantly challenging yourself. Um, I think all of those things make me really a lot better at everything I do than like when I'm in my normal world or on like, you know, stable land, because you're making decisions of like, okay, I'm scared. I'm still going to do this. I'm still going to push through. Um, I'm not scared. I'm excited and like reclassifying things to help you move through the mountain. I think the mountains taught me so many lessons, um, more than probably anything, you know, I'll go up there some days and I can't see because it's like so cloudy and it's like, it's okay. Like trust yourself, trust your feet, trust what you know, and like just move through it. Um, if I'm in really steep and challenging terrain, it's again, like reclassifying it from fear and I'm moving through it. And I, and I teach skiing too. So I'm telling clients, I'm like, you have to keep moving. If you just stagnate, like if you would in life, you're, it's going to be harder to make the next turn. So you got to keep moving. Or I'll be like, you know, you got to look where you want to go. Cause sometimes people will look to the side because they don't want to look down. And I'm like, again, just like in life, you got to look where you want to go, or you're going to end up where you don't want to be. So there's like all these lessons that I really take away from it. Um, that I think make me a lot better at everything I do. Or, you know, I, I'll go into like a boardroom meeting now and you know, the consequences of what can happen in there um, are not life and death. They can be very, you know, and they can be very intense. They can be very like life altering in terms of like what happens to the company, but I'm standing at the top of, you know, a shoot. I make bad decisions there. I make wrong judgments. The likelihood of something happening bad, like, you know, I, I can die. I can not going to die in a boardroom. So that fear is really gone for me. And I feel like I can then act and speak from a place of calmness and rationality where I think some people can get really flustered. Just because for me, like perspective and relativity, I'm like, okay, if something goes wrong in here, it's not that big a deal. Like yeah, we can change it. It's reversible. So how long did it take for you to actually be good at skiing? And like, you know, did it take you a long time? And I mean, now um, you're probably super good, right? Um, I would say I started skiing when I was 21, 22. So that's kind of older. Um, I'm 41 now. Um, I don't know. I don't remember the exact time it clicked, but um, you know, I started 
I would say probably a few years. I also was pretty dedicated to it. Like when I was living in, um, uh, during law school, I would like choose my classes so that they would like end as early as possible and have the longest break. So I would go back to ski school and teach for about a month and a half. And I would train, you know, during that month and a half. And I did that for like four years. And then when I was in New York working at the firm, I would go every weekend um, to Killington about five hours away and ski. So I was like pretty dedicated to it. Um, I don't know. I guess, I don't know. I would say a couple of years. Uh, yeah. Like where I felt comfortable, um, comfortable going around the mountain and not feeling like, oh, where am I today? Um, I think that comfort comes with confidence uh, from just doing it. You, you know what I mean? It's just like mm -hmm. doing something like so often doing something for 10,000 hours kind of feeling you're like, okay, no, I'm comfortable with what's going to happen. I'm not so scared every time I do something. So, yeah. I ask, I ask because I know a lot of people in Hawaii, you know, and Noli, you know, this, they, they like to go snowboarding. Right. And, yeah. um, <clears throat> so that's the draw for them. And then I'm sure that the, the most common question is always like, what is easier skiing or snow? Oh yeah. Okay. So just, I definitely have only an people just that dive one. into the, the snowboarding. Yeah. Knowles. I mean, did you ever ski Knowles or? I no. tried snowboarding. Oh yeah. You go for it. Well, I, yeah. I just, I don't know if somebody, we are all in college, just snowboarding. Nobody really knew how to ski. Yeah. And that was really hard to learn. And I don't oh, yeah. know. Skiing, it is very hard to learn. Your legs go. I would say, so Um, I, this is like, I've, this is, I think I'm on my 14th year teaching skiing at this point. And um, I will absolutely say snowboarding is so much harder to learn, easier to get better at. So if you have never done it, skiing is a hundred times easier to learn, a little bit harder to get technically accurate at it as you go on in time, but we'll get around the mountain. So like, you know, I'll have, I have, I have beginner clients um, and I have all kinds of levels, but I'm pretty confident in what I can do. And like, you can talk to, I think, you know, Kristen, Kristen Chong, yeah. I taught her a little bit in big sky and, <laughs> um, you know, I'm pretty comfortable. Like if you're going to do a beginner lesson with me, like likelihood of us falling is really low. Um, we probably won't. Um, I'm really careful with how I progress somebody and what we do and we're going to have a good time. And by the end of that day, you're, we're going to be moving around the mountain. We're going to, not the whole mountain, but at least the, the, that carpet area. And by three days in, we're on the green slopes, we're moving around, you're having a good time. Um, and I think if you're like pretty dedicated to it and do the whole season, um, you'll definitely be at least learn uh, skiing the black runs. Like by, if you spend a whole season, I had one client, she was really dedicated. She's like, I really want to get up on like, it's, we have this thing called a ridge and it's, it's like off piece terrain, pretty steep. She's like, I really want to see that. And I said, okay, if you really want to see that, like it's going to take the season. And by the end, she's she was absolutely skiing even steeper than she had ever expected to ski. And so I think um, it's totally doable to get pretty, really good in one season. Wow. How long is a season, would you say? Like three months? Um, it depends okay. where you are. So in Montana, where I normally live, we're open from Thanksgiving to mid-April. Would you say that you, have you worked with like athletes or like, you know, any celebrities? <laughs> yeah. So I work at the Yellowstone club. So, you know, take it for what it's worth and you guys can Google who is living there, but I've worked with some like pretty, some very, very like, um, well-known clientele. Mm -hmm. yeah. Are they any different, uh, in terms of like, you know, I mean, or, or, do you have any cool stories about that or? 
you know, I have some, um, I, I think it just depends who you work with and what they're like. And some are just really, really awesome and very, very cool and very down to earth. Um, and some are just not, and, you know, you choose, I get at some point, like I've been there for a while. So like, I'm, I'll gravitate towards the clients that I feel most connected to. Um, and it's really interesting skiing with those kind of clients, you know, they're, uh, Titans in their own industry and what they do. They're, you know, the best in the world of whatever they do and to get to ski with them and hear their stories and learn about what they've done is really interesting for me, but it's also interesting being from the perspective of, okay, I'm the one who's the expert here today and imparting that knowledge and having that power dynamic shift, um, is really, really cool. And again, something that I think really helps me when I'm like in other situations off snow. Mm. So obviously, I mean, you have quite the background and, you know, for people who are listening that are like, geez, man, I want to have this kind of life, you know, <laughs> but then you also, you know, you listen to your mom and then you have that schooling and, you know, your, your degree and, um, you know, professional background as well. But for the person who's listening, who's thinking of, you know, jumping off the edge and, and leaving <laughs> behind everything that they know, you know, to take on this journey, uh, what, what realistically is it like, and what, what's your advice for, for, you know, they, they should have a backup kind of like how you, you have. Yeah. I mean, look, it's going to be different for everybody, right? Like I say, life is by design. Like you choose your life by your design, ideally, hopefully. And that's, that's truly a privileged statement to make. Like not everyone can. And I acknowledge that a lot. Um, for me, you know, like I have friends who still work at Latham, what's core and central and value to them is like absolute financial security and working at a big law firm like that. You're going to have that, right. As long as you make partner, you're pretty set for life. For me, I needed to make, I think it's best to make decisions based on identifying what's core and central to you. What is your value system? Like, what is the, the what is the things you need to keep in the center? And the, those things on the periphery should serve that. So for me, as I became to realize that I was like, it was really important for me to be able to see my family whenever I wanted. It was really hard working at the firm for somebody else. Like, I like good luck when I would go to Hawaii, I'd just be, may, I could maybe go for a few days because I was just, I had no control over my schedule. And then I'd work, you know, whenever I didn't have time to like move things around. The other thing for me was like, I really wanted to be able to ski when I wanted. That was very important to me. And I wanted freedom. And for me, freedom meant freedom to make choices and my own choices. So those were like my three central values that I knew had to be true for me to do things. Um, and that's how I made choices after that. Like anything that wasn't that stood at the periphery. So I would say, first of all, like identify your value system because it's going to be different from mine. So don't take my story and be like, I should go do that. <laughs> like identify what's core to you. So those three things are very core to me. And whenever I make a choice, it's filtered through those three options. Like, am I going to be able to see my family? Will I have freedom of choice? will I be able to go skiing? If it doesn't check those three boxes, like that's not what I'm doing. And so actually, you know, when I left the firm, I had, uh, you know, I had savings for a good amount of time and I knew like, okay, I'll be okay for a while. Um, I didn't really know what job to do after that because I was so invested in being at the firm that I had no sense of what else was out there or what else I could possibly do. So I really, I took a break from everything and just was said, okay, like this time I'm going to figure out what I want to do and not other people kind of give me like a directional shift. 
or a directional compass that wasn't my own. And so I lived in a trailer for about six months, traveled to every ski town I thought I wanted to live in and ended up in Bozeman, Montana. I went everywhere, like all around the Western US, through Canada, did Alaska, ended up in Bozeman, Montana. And I loved it because it was near the mountains. It wasn't transient. There was like a really big um, entrepreneurial community, people really creative. There was things going there, but they were still at the mountains. And now I was like, okay, now I just need to find a job or figure out a job that's going to work to like, you know, make my life work. And so initially I just um, did anything that was curious to me. And so I volunteered at a bunch of different projects. I did TEDx. I helped organize that. And then I helped organize another conference, this entrepreneur conference. And that's where I met uh, the co-founders for the company I have today, LifeScore, which is an AI music company, a series A funded AI music company. Um, Warner Music sits on our cap table and um, I'm the CEO of that company now. And um, that, I mean, it started with like four people. It's now about 30 people. And again, it was something where, okay, I want to grow this company as a remote first company. Um, I do work crazy hours, but those are my choice. Right. And I can decide like, okay, I want to, I'm going to work from Hawaii. So when I come home to Hawaii now, I get up at about three 30 in the morning and then I work through the day and then I have the afternoon with my family. So again, it was a decision that like, kind of like, okay, if I'm going to choose to found this company with these people, I really need to be able to craft it and how it's going to work again, fit the central value system that was important to me. So I would say my advice is like, figure that out first obviously financially, like be able to make comfortable decisions where you don't, you're not making decisions from a point of stressor is really hard. And this is why I say what I did comes from a, a place of privilege. Not everyone can do that. And so I don't want to kind of be preaching out here that, Hey, anyone can just like pick up and leave. You can't, right. It's just, it's really about like, what is your situation today? And can you make a value system based on what you have? Can you relieve stressors? So you're not making decisions out of, out of a stressor situation. Calculated risks sound like you, you have yeah. a plan. You have to have a plan. You have to have a plan. Yeah. Yeah. Smart way to do it. Yeah. Jeez. yeah. How much, um, how much do you, um, credit your mom, your, your, your super mom, I got to call her. I mean, geez. Yeah. Give, geez. give her, give her like a little shout out. Immigrant woman. Yeah. She's the first immigrant woman to have a UH nursing school named after her. Um, you know, she founded, um, you know, several healthcare provider, you know, services as well and organizations in Hawaii. Um, she's a trailblazer herself. So it's like, how much yeah. of her uh, and her raising you, bringing you up, do you credit for, for like, you know, your successes? You know, we're, we're so similar, but I think growing up that meant like two tigers lived in the same cage <laughs> and that's never a good thing. Um but obviously it's like, you know, the blood runs deep. We're very similar. We're both very passionate about the things we do. We're both very passionate about uh, working in service of people. Like, so I have a nonprofit women of winter and I do that work because I feel like, okay, I was obviously the only woman of color where I learned to ski. I was the only woman of color in Montana when I wanted to give a clinic to other women of color. So there's no one that could help me in when I saw that I was, it was for me like a moment of like, well, okay, we're going to change that and let's do it. And so since I founded that nonprofit, we've given over 150 scholarships to women of color. Um, and that's, I think, similar to her. Like we're both want to be in service of, of, of humanity in service of, of other people. Um, 
I don't think I recognized it at all growing up. Honestly, I thought we were like so different. I'm like, oh, I'm never going to be like you. Wow. <laughs> uh, honestly, I, I, you know, when I left for college, I was like, I'm going to New York, like as far as humanly possible. Like I need my own space. Um, and now we're really close. We talk every single day. Obviously she's here. We go on a family trip at least once a year. I go home uh, for three weeks in the spring and for Mother's Day. I come home for three weeks for her birthday in October. So we're really close now. But I think growing up, it was it was very challenging for both of us because we are so similar. And I think, you know, her raising herself was probably like, oh, God, I'm a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, now now I see the similarities and I'm just really proud of her for how far she's she's come, the work she does for for Hawaii and the work she does outside of it. You know, she's, she's a fellow in the American nursing association. She does a lot of national work. Uh, frankly, I'm trying to get her to work, uh, do some work at the who in Geneva so that, you know, we have a reason to come back to Switzerland more. Wow. We'll see if she takes me up we'll see if she takes it up on that. I'm like, why not mom? <laughs> um, but you know, I'm just really proud of her and everything she's done. And yeah, I mean, clearly it's rubbed off. Clearly it's, it's, it was, it's always been there. Um, and now it's it's only drawn us like a lot closer, but I think it kind of had its own natural cycle of life, right? Like I had to grow on my own to come back to this. Like I couldn't always be under her her wing of telling me what to do. Like I'm just like her. I'm an independent person that needs to make an independent decision. And I think, you know, that was a little bit of a struggle for a while, but she's come around. Do you ever <laughs> ask her for advice? Because she must give good advice, right? Yeah, I think we both give each other advice a lot now. You know, she'll tell me something and I'm like, mom. <laughs> let's, let's let's reframe that <laughs> you know or I'll talk to she'll give me advice about like well, you should do this for women of winter or you know you should think about this for your company and I'm like you know I I'm definitely thinking about like what she says to me I think you know she has a lot of experience she's grown her company on her own I mean you know you think about it she came from the Philippines like as an absolute immigrant you know uh <laughs> my grandfather worked at sugarcane fields it's you know, we're one generation away from, you know, working on the plantation, literally. Mm -hmm. And she's come really far and I'm really proud of her for that. And so have you, so have you. You guys ski together? <laughs> Did you teach so, her to ski? She, so we're, we're actually, so she's here, they're here for three weeks, which is really nice. And um, this week's been really snowy. So we're going to just like hold skiing lessons. Um, we're going to Vienna next week for my dad to see his family. Um, it's been a while for him to see his family. So we're going there for a week. And then when we come back, it'll be sunny and a little bit warmer and it'll be like her first ski lesson. Hopefully it goes well. Oh, wow. Yeah. Sure, well, she's with you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But you know, if not, there's always like a restaurant right there that we can go hang out at and, and she can sit in the sun. So that'll be fun for her. But she definitely wants to try. She's very eager. Um, I'm really excited to take her and it'll be nice and you know, nice and mellow, something very, very easy just to get her out and moving around on snow. Full circle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Daughter becomes the the teacher, right? Yeah. And around yeah. And it's really nice. Wow. So Chris, I mean, just thanks so much for talking with us. Yeah, absolutely. Of course. Thanks for having me. There. Um, you know, I'm sure that they are always looking for a good place to uh, hit the slopes and uh, maybe Montana might pop up one of these days, but absolutely. How can, they, uh, Montana. Can, they, can they look you up or? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm on Instagram, uh, Chris, like several underscores, I think Walsh, W-A-L-C-H, find me there. Um, 
yeah, I mean, Instagram's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me. Or you can go to my company's name, www.lifescoremusic.com, but you can't really get a hold of me, but feel free. Um, and then my nonprofit, if you're interested in taking a look at that, we do provide. So if you are in Hawaii and you do go skiing and you are interested at some point in getting in the ski industry, um, we do provide scholarships to women and women of color to get into the ski industry. We provide snow sports education scholarships. People all over the continental U.S. have applied for our scholarships in Montana. I would love to see someone from Hawaii apply, uh, www.womenofwinter.net. And that also has an Instagram. So we have those scholarships every year for getting your initial ski instructor exam or your avalanche awareness exam. Um, and it's a really great and supportive community of all women, women of color. And uh, we love it. And I'd love to see someone one day apply from Hawaii. All levels accepted or they got to. So, yeah. So you should on. probably be able to ski comfortably on like in a very intermediate blue run. So if you can do that and you're like, hey, I think I want to like, you know, maybe be a ski instructor for a little bit or I want to get into the industry. Definitely look it up. Check it out. Um, you know, if anything, I love to like ski with I love to ski with people all the time. So if you're in Montana, like, let me know. Love to show you around Big Sky. And then lastly, can you actually make a good living being a ski instructor? So it depends where you work and it depends what kind of living you're looking at. But I do have a uh, different, I do have two jobs. One is an executive at a company. One is a ski instructor. So again, what is central in value to your life? <laughs> Mine's a little bit different than everybody else's. So, you know, people definitely do. Like I definitely have in our ski school, veteran instructors who have been there forever. And that's what they do for a living in the, in the winter. And then they do another job in the summer, but you know, there are people that do do it, but again, like what's your value system, what's important to you and then make your choices from there. Oh man, Chris, watch living the life. And, you know, I'm so glad that, you know, things, you know, worked out for you, you know, after you kind of took that risk and uh, man, to hear that you're the CEO of your own, you know, organization, and then also running a nonprofit and also doing what your heart you know, told you to do. That's just amazing. So just bravo to you. And thank you so much for inspiring us with your story that you shared with us. And uh, I don't know, Noli, we might see you out there because I think you could qualify, right? Blue, what is that? Blue slope? Is that? I think I'm on the bunny slope type of bunny slope. For all all snow sports, I'm I'm there. But that's awesome, Chris. We are so inspired by you and Congratulations and thank you for all the things that you're doing to pay it forward to other women or people who want to pursue their passion. This is very inspiring. No, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. And tell your mom we said hi and um, we're sorry <laughs> well, would she wake her so that she could actually <laughs> hang out with us. She appreciates her sleep, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Out with us. Absolutely. Well, hopefully you can have her on sometime. I know she'd love to chat yeah, with you. She, she, I told her about this and woman. she was like, oh, remember stephanie and i was like do you want to come on she's like what time i was like she's like no yeah no that's okay another time i'll catch her in hawaii time next time maybe when you're back home you and your- yeah yeah, yeah awesome. that would be great that'd be fun all right everybody best wishes to you chris and we'll see you back here in the sunshine weather but till then stay warm <laughs> and enjoy thanks so much chris thank you thanks, chris. bye yes we gonna be